Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the RC Industry Podcast, episode 28. For those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the worlds of stand-up, comedy, radio, TV, and today, listing publications. Ben Williams has been the comedy editor for Time Out for a number of years now, and he knows his stuff about how to get your gig seen and get people down to your gig. Now, although this is from someone at Time Out London, Time Out is obviously all over the UK and all over the world, and there is a lot of transferable information on what makes a good listing and what makes an attractive listing to someone who is just browsing through hundreds and hundreds of potential comedy gigs that they could go and see. It's a really interesting episode. We cover what he thinks of PRs, what he thinks of advertising, how advertising has impacted the magazine as they went free, and how the magazine has still managed to stay afloat and be a profitable entity since going free. As someone who obviously deals in free content, I found this fascinating and I love talking to him about the value of advertising for someone who gets enough traffic to make it work. A lot of people don't have that luxury and so it was really interesting to hear that perspective from someone who works within that industry. It's a really detailed episode, it's a really interesting episode. We talk about his pet peeves, we talk about how to not send in information and when to and it's just really interesting. I loved it. I think I've said interesting about 20 times now, so I'm going to stop doing that. If you're enjoying this podcast and you would like to donate, you can do so on the website via PayPal. If you would like to donate on a regular basis and become a patron of the podcast, please do. Uh, you can do that at Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Ask the Industry Podcast. We've just passed our first target and now we are only $25 off target number two. So if you would like to support this project and you would like to keep it going, that would really help out. Things that this project are doing above and beyond these pre-recorded pods are live ones. I have three live shows that I'm doing on an absolute minimal budget, but that doesn't mean the quality is going to drop at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. If you are at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and you would like to come down to any of these, please join the Facebook group, which is called RC Industry Podcast, and you can get all the details from them there. We have two panels of agents, one on the 25th and one on the 30th, and one 
for people that can take your show beyond the fringe. So we're talking like touring agents and bookers and PRs who spe- specialize in that. So if you're interested in any of those, those are free events to come to. I think we'll probably do like a bucket thing at the door so that we can give something to the guests. But ultimately, I'm doing a lot of effort for those. And I would love it if at least people turned up. Um, but if you could come down and if you do enjoy it, you can donate. You can ask the guests anything you want. It's basically the same format as this, except there's a panel of more than one guest from different agencies who can discuss the answer between them. So if you have something interesting to talk about touring or getting an agent or attracting an agent, you can ask some of the biggest comedy agents out there and they can discuss it between themselves and come to a consensus together. I'm very excited about this. I don't know of any other kind of panel that does that. So please do come. If you are a patron and you can't make it, do email me. Uh, or contact me somehow through whatever means you want and I'll make sure your questions are asked as a patron you get a guaranteed seat at all these events there'll be like a reserved seat somewhere for you just let me know you're coming and uh, otherwise it's first come first serve each of the rooms are about 40 to 50 seats each so please get there early before I go, if you're at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival my show is on at Just the Tonic Caves not Cowgate Head it is at 7.30pm it is free and it's good. I well, I think it is. I'm biased, but it's. I think it's good. So if you would like to come down and watch me tell jokes for an hour to support me, that would be great. If you don't want to do that, hope you have a lovely fringe. Without any more delays, this is Ben Williams. No, it's fine. Um, Go on. I just uh, I do not enjoy uh, talking about. Eight, this is better than talking in front of people. Right. I really do not enjoy that. Okay. Um, but. I do not, yeah, just sort of talking about yourself and what you do. I always feel this way when I interview comedians. I'm like, I, I wouldn't be able to do an interview like that because I wouldn't want to just spend 45 minutes talking about myself. Well, I'm glad I asked you on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. I have, I have a similar problem. I, I sort of try and avoid, like some people have asked me to do little interviews here and there, like mainly written ones or like yeah, phone sure. ones or whatever. And I don't like it because it makes it makes me it makes my ego go a bit mad, and it also makes me feel really uncomfortable in the sense that I don't think I'm that interesting. Yeah. So, yeah oh, yeah. Exactly. Like you just kind of go, why? Why would anyone want to hear what I what I think? Yeah, it sort of highlights to me how dull my existence can be <laughs> between gigs. You know, I'm sure that's not true. Uh, well, yeah, we'll get to that. No, I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Is the short answer? Okay, good. Um, Phew. I, the thing that it's really done for me, this podcast, is it's got me used to listening to my own voice. Because when you... I record every gig. Yeah, I was going to say, do you, do you do that? Yeah, and I listen back to most of them. And I, I've got... Because I like my material more and more, I've got better at listening to it back because I sometimes detach myself from who it is a little right, bit. Right, right. Um, but now I'm just used to my voice. But do you... Is it? I, I would see. I would struggle with that, like listening back to my own gigs. Because what if you have a terrible gig and you've got you've got to listen to it? Because surely that's the most useful gig, yeah. right? Because you can find out what stuff doesn't work or why something didn't work on that night. But what? How? How? How do you do that? <laughs> I prefer those. Really? <laughs> yeah. As uh, masochistic is that the right word? Is it seems I enjoy listening back to the awkwardness of the bad gigs way better than the ones that go well. Okay. Have you ever, you know when you're walking on the street and you remember something that you did five years ago and you think to yourself, oh, I wish I hadn't done, I wish I hadn't Mm -hmm. remembered that or uh, I could blank it out. But you sort of feel slightly better afterwards because you can shake it off and you know it's done. That's how I feel for like 10, 15, 20 minutes when I'm listening back (laughs) to a shit gig. 
So afterwards, I'm like, oh, okay, it's done. Yeah, I guess so. I've just... Oh. I don't know how you comedians do it, you lot. <laughs> Not everyone does. <laughs> So you, you you have no aspirations to do comedy? Oh God, no, no, definitely not. I'm perfectly happy uh, judging from the sides. Um, yeah, it's I, I, I could never do that. I do not enjoy public speaking. Um, I have a I have you know a lot of respect for people that can do it, um, and I'm really glad they do because it makes my job real fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I could not could not do that that's one of the questions i get asked a lot by people when they find out what i do is oh do, so have you done do you do comedy as well you go no no why, why would that be you know automatically connected um have you never done it oh no 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 because you used to run a club or you do run a club yeah i still run a club it's not very often um sort of four or five times a year really right but um and i really enjoy doing that but i would never want to MC that or anything like that no, I leave it to the professionals. Just a booker, basically. Yeah, yeah, okay. and it's a nice. I run it in Somerset, where my parents live. Yeah. And I used to live there, and it's a nice excuse to go home for the weekend and see them. Yeah, and it's a family thing. Like my mum runs the box office, and my oh, cool. my dad rips some tickets and things like that, and it's it's fun to do. That's nice. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I would have no no desire to be on stage myself. Okay, I mean, it's because your time out London and it's in Somerset. I suppose there's no conflict of interest in terms of getting coverage or anything like that. No, no, um, no, not at all. And promote promoting and booking. I don't do for you know. I'm not making huge amounts of money out of it. It's just for fun, really. I, I started in comedy by running that club in Somerset. That was the first thing I did. It's been going for ten years now. We just had the tenth anniversary last weekend. Congratulations! Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just for fun, really. Mm, makes a little bit. Yeah. It, um, otherwise, I wouldn't travel the three hours to get there. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it's fun. It's nice to have regular audience that have been coming to almost every gig for ten years, and you know, know that you're just making their lives that little bit better. You know? <laughs> That's what I lie to myself and say. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, I tell you, let's, let's um, start with listings and then and promotion, and we'll talk about clubs in a minute. Sure. Um, so your, your main, well, your day job, essentially, is you are the comedy editor at Time Out. Yes. And that involves getting an inordinately large amount of emails from promoters yes. to get their gig on your listings. Yes. Any, any idea of how many emails a day you're getting? Uh, I guess in a week, I generally do. I generally do batches of listings, so I normally do it once or twice a week. So I guess in a week, I think I put about two or three hundred listings in every week onto the into the database, which goes online. Um, so emails wise, I don't know. It's probably slightly less than that because sometimes you'll get months yeah. or two months worth of listings in one email. But yeah, few, few, couple of hundred emails a week, I guess. And what's the minimum information you require to get something on the website? Uh, we need. Um, so if people send their info to comedy at timeout.com, they'll get an auto reply that lists all the stuff that they need to send, um, right. which is dates, times, prices, lineups, the name of the gig, 
uh, things like Nearest Tube. Uh, a, if it's not just a lineup show, a brief description of what it what it is. Uh, is there anything else? Don't think so, really. Can't remember. But there is, yeah, if, if you email comedy at timeout.com, it'll fire back an email that has all the info we need in there. And do your audience at the timeouts and the people that browse the website, do they want to know the people who are on gigs or just the headliner? Because, like, I imagine you get a fair number of open mics emailing. Mm-hmm. Does a stream of just open mic comedians who no one recognises actually? Like help or is it? Uh, I think it depends who the person is that's looking at the website. Some sometimes it does. Um, I certainly put as much info as possible on there, and full lineups is how it mostly what I would use to decide whether to recommend a show or not. Um, open mic nights are good to have those big lists of people purely because people that know that person are going to be searching for them or going, oh, when's my mate, this person doing a gig, and we'll try and look them up. They're not listed there. doesn't help. But um, I think it's good to have full lineups on there. And if they're established acts, then we try and write a bit, of, a bit about who they are, or even if that's a two-word adjective, still gives a, an idea of what they do, hopefully. <laughs> you never know. Um, okay. So, just gonna, I was going to try and rephrase the question because you've sort of answered half of it. Have I? Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's all right. Well, it was only going to be around um, whether SEO is impacted by the number of names and things. Uh, or does that not make a difference to you guys? Uh, it does. And we try and write SEO-friendly stuff. But ultimately, you're, 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 trying to, you're writing for the person that's going to find the listing on the website rather than just trying to... You know, bump something up Google rankings. Right. So, um, yeah, the, I I think it's all useful. I still don't know whether I'm quite answering the question. No, you are. You <laughs> um, are. But I think, yeah, I think even for my nights, it's good to have full lineups on there. When you say recommend a night, do you mean like make it come up featured, or do you mean like as in to a friend? Uh, come up featured. So we have various tags we use. That, um, that flag up whether a, a, a show is critic's choice or recommended or free or other things um, and at the moment cause, because we have we have one listing for a club or a night and then there are individual occurrences attached to that which will have the individual lineups in and we can only add that recommended tag to a whole event rather than each date at the moment Right. So I can only recommend four weeks worth of lineups at one club, or none of them, rather than the two lineups that are the best ones at the moment. But that is going to change at some point. Um, so yeah, but those those um, if a club or a night does have a recommended tag, then it um, will appear higher in search results. Mostly, it will. Um, appear on pages that are fed by search results looking for recommended shows and things like that and it's also easier for other people in the building to find stuff if they're doing roundups of what's on that week and stuff like that so it was yeah it, it, it a recommended show will generally get a lot more attention than a, a non-recommended show okay and are there any pet peeves or things that people do when they email you that 
get on your wick or that you would you would like to say to a few thousand people please don't do this anymore oh that is a good question there are probably tons <laughs> um people can people people don't a lot of people don't realize that they can email a bunch of listings in one email right um so often I'll get a club who are sending me eight weeks worth of listings, but they send each one as an individual email. <laughs> and that's fine. We can still deal with that, but it's much better if it's just all in one thing going, this is what date, the dates, these are the lineups, these are the times, these are the prices. I can just do all in one batch. Uh, the other thing is people that just send a link to something, especially if it's a Facebook event, because uh, websites go down... Facebook, you need a login. I don't really use Facebook very much, um, and I don't lo- like logging in and seeing all the unread messages I've got on there. Um, <laughs> not that I get tons. Um, but, yeah, just put it in the body of an email. It's, it's so much easier. Um, there is probably so many more that I can't think of, but... Uh, if I think of them, I'll come back to them. Yeah. Just stop me and go, oh, also, yeah. <laughs> this bugs me. That's fine. Um, have you ever banned anyone from being listed? No, don't think so. Is there any way of getting banned? Uh, Not that I'm trying. <laughs> I just... you, can re- you can try really hard if you want. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, because we write all our own listings, we don't just copy and paste information and put it up. Each, each listing is... a a tiny little piece of editorial I guess you know if people are putting false claims in there or things things that are libelous or something like that we're going to we're going to rewrite that and take that out or write whatever we want also because I know most of the comics people are talking about in their lineups I'll know if they're hyping someone up a lot <laughs> and actually they're not very good so uh I don't think I. I don't know how someone would get banned, but yeah, we've. I don't. We've. I've. I've never done that. So when you, if you get an email through from, say, Promoter X, right, and they are saying, Comedian Y, is the best comedian that has ever come out of place Z in the country or whatever. Yeah. And you know this is a false claim. You know this is this guy's or this woman is fairly new. They've not been going that long. Whatever. Would you just email back and say, we can't print this, it's very libelous or fake, or would you just not put it up, or how does it work? No, I wouldn't. I would, we, we would totally rewrite what they send anyway. Pe- people can send me so much stuff about... People send biogs of comics, when, and then all that listing is going to get is, hey, this is a fun night in this place with these four acts on tonight. It's... You know, we we write them all ourselves anyway, so um, we're we're not just we're not copying stuff and then editing it. We're just we're writing our own little listings about what we think of that night. Um, so in a way, don't include a bio of the event then, or you can you can do, um, but and a lot of listings places to, you know that don't have uh, sort of. I don't want to say specialists, but people that cover a certain area, um, that's useful for them. But I'm, I'm, I know most of the people that are on that are playing the circuit, apart from the very bottom, 
Um, so I know who most of the people are, so I don't really need it. And it's not we're not gonna we're not gonna print a three hundred word bio of someone who's on a lineup show. Between so between getting an email and getting on the site, you say you do them in batch lots. Is it just sort of like Monday and Thursday? Like what? How long between sending in an email should maybe a promoter follow up the email if it's not appeared? Um, oh, that's another peeve. Okay, go on. Um, it's going <laughs> this, this is going to happen a lot. Um, is people who email me. And it can be, you know, two weeks after they've sent an email, but sometimes it's just a couple of days, saying, oh, I've sent this email, is it, gonna, is it going online? And then I search the website and it's online, and, you, and I go, yeah, here it is. And you go, just, just before you email me, just go on the website, just search, make sure it's definitely not there, and then, then follow up. Anyway, there we go. Back, back to the question. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Uh timelines so I tend to do listings on a Monday and a Friday more or less definitely a Monday often on a Friday as well um, and I try and get through a whole week's worth of listings during that week if I can sometimes if something if someone sent me something really really far in advance I might push it back a few weeks as I'm dealing with ones that are you know coming up sooner um, but generally hopefully about a week at the maximum but should not mostly it's just it's a few days is it worth us then putting the i say us as in promoters is it worth us putting the date of the event in the uh subject line so that you can easily see uh can be yeah yeah they they all go into folders and okay um yeah the, the ones that are most priority are the ones that are for the next issue okay um and also uh, get a lot of late listings because um, the d- the deadline is officially the same for both the print issue and the and right. online. So those are all down the priority list until I've done all the ones that were on time. Yeah. So if I get time, I try and get those up as well. But sometimes don't get around to it. Yeah. So in terms of the print, obviously the the print there's less space than online. Yeah, way less space. Yeah. How do you select? Uh, it's purely the best stuff. I think is on that week and uh, however much space I've got sometimes I'll get space for 15 listings, sometimes I get space for 5, sometimes I won't get any space for listings at all um, See, and and sometimes there are 300 shows on that week and sometimes there are only 100 um, so yeah, it's just on a at the end of a Monday when I've done all that that week's listings I print them all out and go through them all and pick the ones I I want and then when it gets to signing off my pages and I know how much space I've got they all get edited down and some get chopped away Um, but yeah it's just what I think is the best stuff that's really interesting so the amount of space the comedy section gets in time out the physical paper fluctuates from week to week oh yeah yeah every every section does it all depends on uh, ads basically um, how many ads come in sometimes if I have no ads I might lose a whole page sometimes if I have too many ads I will uh, lose a page as well because that whole page is being taken up by ads um, it all depends, this week I've got two and a half pages worth of space generally I have about two sometimes it goes down to one but yeah it's between that sort of that sort of space do you know 
Because that's interesting to me, because obviously all print media, is, especially free stuff, is based around advertising. Yeah. And it's particularly, uh, it's the same online, really, because you need to get a certain amount of traffic to justify the site, essentially. Sure. Um, but it's interesting to me that if you didn't sell enough ads, you would just drop the page for content in general. Um, it's not. It's not that it's the page is dropped for content. It's just that if if I haven't sold enough ads and um, another section is overselling ads, then they need that space for for an ad in their section. So it's um, it's not that there's there's, there's no content at all. Um, but and and if we sell more, you know, enough ads, we will go up an issue size. So more pages will be added to the magazine, and then I might get more space again but it fluctuates a lot week to week and and quite seasonally as well depends on the time of year so you also sell the adverts for the paper oh no no there's a whole whole separate team that does that but um but yeah i each week i find out how much space i've got and then that can change at the last minute (laughs) wow okay okay and i mean you're obviously very up with the circuit and what's going on and comedians are on it um the expansion of the comedy circuit in London in particular has got much bigger in yeah. recent years. How, how is that? I mean, imagine if your space is fluctuating so much, that's going to cause you a headache. Because if you've got so many people listings and sending stuff into you, mm. and you haven't got any space or you haven't got much space, that's a pain. But also, has it made your job harder because you're getting more people? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, especially since we went free, because before we went free... We had a lot of space for listings, and we'd still have to cut, you know, dozens out of the magazine each week, but there was a lot of space for listings. Um, and now we don't have that space, um, which makes it really difficult to decide what goes in and what doesn't. But it's just kind of got to be done. It's, it's, it, you know, I have to work with what I've got, and it's a shame sometimes because sometimes there are really good shows that totally deserve to be in there but uh there just isn't isn't room would you ever email a promoter and say look we can't put it in because this isn't you know we haven't got space if some people bought the ads no because i don't i i don't think um it, it i think if you start doing that then it becomes it, it feels like you're basically telling people if they spend money with us then we will list them or we will do something which is then effectively an advertorial piece, which right. um, which isn't you know we do advertorial pieces, but not in that not in that way, and they're clearly advertorial pieces. Um, so no, I wouldn't do that because it um, it then looks like you're basically paying for a listing, which isn't our listings are free, and that's they're editorial, and we have the freedom to do what we want with them, and that's how we how we keep that. So that's that's kind of linked in, in a way to you guys writing the description because you want to remain impartial. Yeah, yeah, we do, we yeah we're not um, we're, we're an editorial publication, and you know we're meant to give a critical eye on uh, on events that we list or review or whatever. So yeah, as soon as you start saying you're guaranteed a listing if you if you advertise, then it's a dangerous game. I can see that. I can see that. Um, how often do you actually get to go and watch comedy for fun? Uh, it really depends on the time of year, a lot, or general uh, life. But uh, I try and see stuff three or four nights a week. Um, 
And if I can see two different things in one night, <laughs> that helps a lot. But that is not often possible. But yeah, I try and see stuff three or four nights a week. And then in Edinburgh, I'll see 100 shows or something. Is that, is that for time out you're going to see like two shows in a night? Or is that for yourself? Uh, for time out, I mean, they don't... Uh, I decide what I go see and what I don't and how much I see and how much I don't see. Um, but it's all for time out it's not I don't I don't review those shows most of them we re, we don't we don't review much in London um comedy wise but it's all just to keep up with clubs and acts and who's doing what basically and um yeah keeping up with the circuit yeah, I noticed on your website there's there's not that many reviews but you do leave space for user reviews yes and when you do reviews you don't really use the star rating system either uh, we do use the star rating system for our own reviews. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't. Th- yeah, I can't think of a section that doesn't do that. What do you think of the star rating system? Uh, I think it's got its pluses and its minuses. <laughs> um, I mean, ideally, it wouldn't it wouldn't exist. Right. Uh, I I take quite a long time to write a review. I'm not. I'm not brilliant at writing them quickly because I know how important they are to people. Right. And I know that, especially in Edinburgh, I know that, that person is almost definitely going to read that review. And if, especially if it's a bad review, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, saying exactly why I, I didn't like the show or whatever. Um, so I spend quite a long time trying to make sure that they're they're good or at least make sense <laughs> um, and ideally you want people to read the whole review and you know get your whole opinion on on a show or or whatever but um, I can also see why their stars are incredibly useful for people to whack on their poster and get bums on seats and PRs love them and uh, you know if I'm flicking through a, a magazine or a website of, with tons of reviews on there, I'm going to read the ones and the fives. Um, All the ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I can see, I can see why you know both arguments. Um, don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm quite happy using them at the moment because that's what we do. But if we got rid of them, I'd be perfectly happy with that as well so does it ever annoy you because to me the star ratings is a really cheap shorthand and it often stops I would say probably the majority of people bothering to read the whole review yeah they probably just look at it does that annoy you then if you because I mean you spend a lot of time writing that surely like you want people to enjoy your work yeah I mean that's what it's there for man it's just for people to enjoy Uh, (laughs) um yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I don't really mind. It's, 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 you know, as long as I'm happy with the review, I don't, I don't really mind how many people actively read the whole thing. Um, but then again, like, for example, in our music section last week, there was a five-star review of Florence and the Machine's new album, and I wouldn't have read that review unless it. it but I only read it because it had five stars on it. I wouldn't have read just a Florence and the Machine album review, even if it said oh, in in 
three words at the end is really good, I probably wouldn't have read that. But because it was five stars, I went, oh, I'll, I'll read this whole review and see see what you know why it's so amazing. Um, so sometimes it does make people read the whole thing. But I imagine most of the three stars, which are most of the reviews, um, people don't read don't read those because they see three stars and move on. Because a lot of my friends, I get three star reviews. I've got some of them before, and often we look at that and we go, "Oh, it's average, then, isn't it?" But it would seem like, because from other publications I've spoken to, um, I think even I think it was the list because I was talking to Mark Fisher about this, he said that um, you, you're told you're not supposed to give away too many five stars because that's meant to be reserved for something extraordinary. So it would seem like if you eliminated that, because even if they wanted to give you five stars, if they've given away enough of them, they can't give you one, if that makes sense. Three then becomes actually above average. I think I think three's a good review anyway. I don't think that is a, an average review. I think that's actively saying something is... All right, it's good. Like I, I this wasn't a waste of my time. Um, <laughs> two stars is that a waste of your? That's a waste. Of- well, yeah, I think two and below you start to. But I think I think people often think that a three star review is a bad review, and it isn't. It's it's saying this was all right. Um, but I don't. I've 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 never had any quotas on how many five stars to give or how many one stars to give or anything like that. Um, I have in my mind what. I've, what a five star show is or well not necessarily what a five star show is but I you know when I see something that's a five star show I know I've seen a five star show yeah. um, and I, I don't know I guess I, I don't give them out loads but then I don't review huge amounts only in Edinburgh do I review quite a bit and even then I don't re- I don't review everything I see when you review a show, do you write it for the comedian or for the potential audience that would go and see that comedian? Oh, always the, the audience, okay. always the reader. I'm never, never writing f- for the act. Um, I know the act's going to read it, <laughs> and, uh, but I, yeah, it's always um, for, the, for the reader, which has caused some, you know, then sometimes a comic will email me because I've given them a four-star review and say... There isn't really a quote in here that I, you know, there isn't a great, great, great quote that I can just pull out. And you go, I, I hadn't even thought of that. Like, you know, I just wrote a review hoping a reader would read it all and get an idea of what the show was. I hadn't gone, I must give this comic a really good quote. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, I don't think about that. I was just thinking about who's going to, the, the reader. Is that another pet peeve? Getting a frustrated email? No, it doesn't, doesn't happen often. I find it quite funny. But, um, uh, yeah, it does happen occasionally. That's interesting. Yeah, because often I feel comedians, and I've been guilty of this a little bit, I get frustrated if... Because I, I got reviewed in Chortle a while ago, and I remember reading it going, oh, this is all right, until I realised I have no quote here unless I take two words, like, you know, amazing this, or whatever. And you're like, and I don't believe any quote less than three words is, not, is always either out of context or not good enough that you should necessarily use. Oh, uh, yeah, I see what you mean. Do you know what I mean? And I've, got one on my, I've got one on my post this year. Don't you? <laughs> I'm not above it, but I still, you know, I'm a hypocrite, essentially. But I, but I do think, you know, you should, you should have, like, a proper sentence that sums you up rather than, you know, just sort of amazing, because it could be anything. Sure. Yeah. Have you ever been misquoted? Uh, yes, um, and I have pulled them up on it. Most, really? Yeah, if I've if I've discovered it, I've I have 
sent a polite email saying, <laughs> or no, normally I won't do that. I will ask them where they got the quote from. If if, if it turns out that, that they have misquoted me or used something uh, they shouldn't, uh, I will tell them they shouldn't have done that. Um, I don't think that's very fair because all you're doing is them misleading you know, someone who sees that quote, um, who's a potential audience member, which isn't a great way to start <laughs> start getting people into your show, I don't think. It also could damage your reputation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There were, you know, if I've given someone a two-star review and they're using a quote from me on their poster, then I go, what? I've... And also it's confusing for people that have read that review, not that there'll be huge amounts of them. But people go, oh, I thought, I thought they didn't like that person, but apparently they do. No, we don't like that person. <laughs> okay. That's in, and you... Would you ever... So you'd go... Act, well, I, don't, I suppose you don't go actively looking for that. Is it no, like, no, no. If it's someone... A, it's only if I stumble, stumble across it. Okay. But, um, but it does, does happen. People don't highlight them to you and go, oh, by the way, have you seen Comedian Y has misquoted you? I read your review, it was great, and this guy's... Uh, I don't... Th- think that's happened uh or maybe once someone emailed me and went i read your review for this and it wasn't it, it wasn't a good one are you sure this is right maybe once but yeah it's gen- generally because you know i get sent all the press releases all the things people don't take that quote off when they send it to me they don't think about that yeah um so yeah no it's normally i'll i'll find it but i'm sure it's happened before that I've not noticed no it's it's just interesting how the industry or how reviewers and industry behind the scenes talk necessarily oh yeah everyone talks (laughs) (laughs) so if you misquote everyone talks um, potentially yes it's it's such a small industry and especially uh, journalists and critics there aren't that many of them we do talk and we do see each other at a lot of shows we're often at the same shows um, we'll, you know, talk about what shows we've seen and w- what other things people have reviewed and stuff. But um, so yeah, it's a really small industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is kind of crossing over an email that we've been talking about anyway. Because I was going to ask you what makes a good press release to you. Oh um, yeah. And I've sort of. Oh yeah. Sorry you, about that. No, that's. <laughs> don't apologise. It's fine. Um, yeah, because I've emailed you about that just because I was working on a, an in, a. I do indie guides basically, and I was trying to write one for press release, and I've got a ton of stuff on there now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would love to get timeouts take on it. So, what would you say makes a good press release? Um, definitely not more than a page long. Okay. Be quite a few hundred words, really. I think. I mean, it, if we review something in the magazine, it's generally not more than three hundred words long. And so, if a review's that long, I don't think a press release should be longer than that, really. Um, make make it sum up the show in the first fifty words. Make it really clear what it is and why it's brilliant. Um, and other than that make sure it's got all the right details on it you'll be surprised at how many times a a press release comes through and it doesn't say where it's on or doesn't have the time or or something like that on or doesn't have a, a box office number or something like that it happens a lot just make sure that's all on there yeah uh but yeah mainly 
don't keep things quite sh- yeah do keep things quite short right um because I remember at the end of last year's Edinburgh, my Edinburgh 2014 folder had, I can't remember, nearly a thousand emails in it, I think, of press releases. And I definitely didn't read all of those. <laughs> um, so, yeah, keep, keep, it, keep it concise. Keep it light. Mm. When I was chatting to Mel Brown, um, she runs Impressive PR, mm-hmm. she was Mel saying Brown. that... Big I know Mel Brown. Well. Oh, cool. Um, she was saying that one of the main services you pay for when you get PR is they write your press release and they have connections with journalists, which means that you know they'll get your press release read, if not get that person down. Mm-hmm. Do you accept uh, press releases from independent comedians who don't have the money to afford a press uh, Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, of course. Anyone can send me a press release. Um, and if I know who that comic is or I've seen them before then, you know, I'm much more likely to read press release from them personally, probably, than if it's in a big batch from a PR. Um, so, yeah, of course, yeah. Any, anyone's welcome to send it. Do you, do you think there are too many middlemen in comedy? What do you mean by middlemen? So, people... So, between... Essentially, there's sort of three parts to it, in a way, in my head. Um, there would be audience, there would be the performer, and then there would be promotion side. Mm-hmm. And between you and me, there could be a PR person, there could be a promoter, there could be a tour manager, there could be any of that kind of stuff. Do you think there are too many people making it... Because it's obviously harder and harder these days to make it as a profiting comedian. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's too many... Um there are certainly ones that are brilliant and ones that are terrible and there are people that are really a, a pleasure to work with and people who are a nightmare um but i i don't know if i don't know if there's too many of them thought of it like that but i think certainly those people are doing a job and the the act has chosen to let them do that job or pay them to do that job they've not they're not, you know, being forced to do that most of the time. It's up to them. And they're doing that to take that work off of them yeah. and allow them to therefore have that time to be creative and write jokes and that sort of thing. So, you know, if it helps a comic in that way, that's really that's really good, I think. I'm sure there are, there are some people that wouldn't have, um, you know... Being able to being being able to devote as much time to what they do without those people doing those admin roles, well, not necessarily admin, but those things, and also they're often a lot better at it than you are personally, um, because they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I don't know if there's too many of them, but I'm sure it works for some people and not for others. Who I mean, who are the ones that you would say are. are the ones that you love working with that are really useful and, and why are they so good? Who? Uh, what do you mean? PRs? PRs, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I want to say. Okay. Um, only because there'll be ones I don't mention who will then <laughs> be <laughs> like, am I one of the terrible ones? Um, I don't know, but there are... Certainly PR-wise, most of them are... Very, very hard working. I think people don't really understand how hard PRs work sometimes. Um, I've done PR 
um, for comedy. You did Tempro, didn't you? At, uh, uh, Prospero, Prospero, yeah. Prospero, sorry, yeah. Um, which is run by Madeleine Bennett. And I worked there for two and a half years, I think. Maybe three years, I can't remember. Um, and especially Edinburgh, it was really, really hard work. And it's PR's a weird um, thing where the bigger name comic you're working with, the easier it is and the more you'll be paid. Yet the littler person, you won't be being paid very much and it's really difficult to get them coverage. Right. So it's, it's more work for less money, basically. You know, that can change where you're suddenly having to keep an act out of the papers rather than right. <laughs> trying to get them covered. Um, but uh, it's re- they, they work really hard, a lot of them, and I, I think people don't quite realise that. They think they're just out schmoozing journalists and um, having a fun time with the comedian's money, but uh, they, yeah, they, they really are trying their best, a lot of them. No, no, I, I'm not trying to imply anything no I, I didn't mean, I, but I know that that's what a lot of people think yeah I mean there's a lot of people I've talked to who yeah say they go up there and you know piss away five grand on you know staying out late and whatever and I can see why that can be an illusion mm. if that's because they're doing the networking for you essentially of course or yeah. they're doing something along the lines of that but I mean it, it, you it can't I mean I've gone I've done Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Edinburgh, this will be my third time. And any of the nights I've stayed out past one, and my, like yesterday, last year my show was at midday, I struggled... Like, do you know what I mean? To get up in the morning and stuff. Of course, and yeah. if they've got five different shows to work on in a day, you can imagine their struggle to, to kind of keep that professionalism up, but also keep people in and then sit with them through it. And Yeah, and they, you know, they've, they've got a lot of them, then they'll have teams and they'll have runners to do these kind of things, but they, someone will have to check the papers every morning. Someone will have to be up at eight o'clock to go and get all the papers and go through them all and see if any of their clients are mentioned or so that they can then get you know scans and clippings of those things to their client by lunchtime or whatever it's you know it is 
especially in Edinburgh, it's really diff- long hours. Um, so, um, yeah, but then there are terrible ones as well. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, do you think, right, so moving on to the internet and how that's changed what Time Out does, mm-hmm. do you think there's a level to which comedians might not need a listing site? Because if they have built enough of their own audience that they can, you know, mail out to or tweet out to or whatever it is, mm-hmm. they can sell it off their own name kind of thing? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, Daniel Kitson's a prime example of that. Um, but it's not going to work for everyone. Um, and often it's not just up to the, you know, comic. No, there are the, the, the proportion of people who can sell their own tours and shows compared to people who are playing clubs is quite you know small um and the clubs want people to come to the show no matter who's on uh yeah people can definitely do that but i don't think i don't think it's going to get to a point where everyone is selling their their show from their own mailing list and a listing site is redundant no, there'll always be people at different levels that mm. will want to use listing sites i just wonder what your opinion on like artists being able to create a connection with their fans meaning that they can go more direct than through a listing site for example yeah i yeah i think it's a good thing and i th- you know especially through social media and twitter and things it happens more and more um so but i think that's always been the case to some extent i think even when we were, we only had a magazine we didn't have a website at all there were still comics who could have, you know, sold out shows without a listing in Time Out magazine. Um, so I think it's still, you know, it's, it's, I don't think it's um, not being very eloquent here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, good, good on them, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, no, the only reason I was asking is because uh, I had the Londonist on a while ago, if you know them. Oh, yeah. And uh, they were talking about how, uh, especially when they were starting to build the site up and they were working it around their day jobs and stuff, they were building connections with their audience and they were chatting back and forth. And I know mm-hmm. Time Out do a really good job on their social media and stuff. And, and I also know you have your own dedicated uh, Time Out London comedy Twitter feed. Yeah. And I just wondered, like, how that's working for you. I mean, is that just to redirect people to the site or are you trying to build connections with audiences to try and you know sort of make yourself be the one place they go or are you trying to attract more clubs I mean what's uh, it's it's both to try and connect with our audience and to direct people to the site I guess um, it's just another way of trying to show people what we do and I really like doing it and I it's it's also a way of us getting feedback on what we do I don't you know you can write a 1200 word interview in the magazine but you probably won't get any emails from people saying whether they enjoyed it or didn't um whereas on social media people will if you tweet a link to something then they will reply saying i thought that was a load of horseshit (laughs) or i really enjoyed reading that yeah um which is nice it's um it's good to find out what people actually do and don't like um and also with uh, with there being so much, so many listings, so so many things on their website, there are 
thousands and thousands of events on there, not just comedy, but across the whole thing. It's nice to be able to just pick a few things out and each day and go, these are a few things that we recommend today without them having to do any work whatsoever, just click on a link. So, yeah, I think it's. I hope, I hope it's useful for people. Is that you then? You do the Twitter? Yeah, I do all of that. Okay. Um, so each morning I'll go through stuff and decide what's going to happen and schedule a few things to go. Is that so? How is that selected? Is that again just the best stuff, or, or do you try and go? Well, I put the best stuff in the magazine. I'll pick the next best stuff to go on the Twitter, so there's not crossover. Or uh, no, it's generally the same-ish stuff that goes in the mag. If because if that's the best stuff, then that's the best stuff. But then it's also trying to see if those things, some of those things, are now sold out, and you know, not going to try and tell people to go to a sold-out show often. Um, um, and, you know, if there have been some late listings that have managed to get up that deserve to be in the magazine but were too late, then I'll try and tweak to those and things like that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's just picking the best stuff, really. And also trying to direct people to our other features and interviews and things. Cool. And we were talking earlier about at the power of advertising and how that drives a lot of, uh, obviously, your free magazine but also for the website. Mm-hmm. Um, something that always fascinates me and I feel like a lot of people don't, understand fully or don't appreciate fully is how little advertising actually pays on websites and why that's the reason why there are so many on certain websites yes are you able to sort of talk about how maybe not the price of the adverts obviously but how many hits in a month for example your articles need to achieve in order for your job to be I don't want to say validated but your exist my job exist yeah Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say I okay. I would direct you to our advertising department. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what we can. We have stats for the website. I'm not sure what we can and can't say about individual sections and things like that. Um, Do you know how many hits you need to get in a month? Uh, I know how many hits we get and I know my target and I know yeah so I, I do know all of that um, and we are just about to get new targets right um, and as far as I'm aware the comedy section does pretty well for its um, its field um, so yeah I think it does alright it's okay uh, I won't press you <laughs> I can feel I can feel you being a bit like oh I don't want I, do, I just I just don't think I can give I, I'm just not sure what I can and can't can't no, reveal fine. in that respect. No, that's fine. I mean, like I said, it, it's just fascinating because I, I work in social media marketing mm. and I have friends that work in pay-per-click advertising and I know that the amount people pay to for pay-per-click advertising is so low and I don't think... Um, well, first of all, I don't think anyone really likes it. I don't think anyone likes their content being... Even you, I imagine, your your reviews are no, uh, or, or listings. I'm sure you don't like there being adverts all around them in an ideal world. Um, or maybe not, OK. I think it depends what the advert is. I think if it relates to, to what it is, I, I think it's it's nice to have an advert on the page for co- for comedy. For, for no. me, it makes me go, thank God we're selling some adverts. <laughs> um, yeah, I can imagine. But for... Uh, but, you know... I. I, th- I, th- I think if it, if uh, the adverts annoy me when they don't relate at all to what the content is, um, or if they relate too much in the creepy kind of cookies way. Yes. Um, so there's a very fine balance. 
but you know, if I'm reading a review of something that happens, a comedy show at the Hammersmith Apollo, and there's a advert for Reggie Hunter's show at the Hammersmith Apollo, I think, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. No, fair. you're lucky you don't use Facebook that much. They use the cookie thing, and it's yeah, very and that's one of the reasons I don't <laughs> use it very much. Fair enough. How do you track comedians that you like and clubs you like? Then do you use Twitter, or you just they just email you enough that you don't really socially look out for them? Uh, all sorts of things. Yeah, Twitter, them emailing me. I'm on lots of people's mailing lists. Uh, uh, yeah, a lot of... Um, I go on, go on um, venue websites a lot to see what they've added because often it used to be that, you know, the first person to find out about a show would be um, journalists but now with things going on sale so quickly a show's announced on a Wednesday goes on sale on the Friday and you know the, the pre-sales already happened by the time I get a press release about it because for a variety of reasons but so I go and see what, what, what's been updated on venue websites a lot to try and f- find stuff because um, I know I won't I won't get sent something for a day or whatever Um so yeah, it's just just keeping keeping on track. How far in advance should someone send you a press release then? Because it sounds like the earlier the better. Earlier the better. Always the earlier the better. Um, Would you ever accept like a Google Doc if someone like sent you like a like a shared you you a Google Doc instead of a? Uh, I don't know. I don't think anyone's ever done that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've been doing. That's why I'm wondering if I've done it wrong. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know because I think I, I think the the only thing with those types of things is is if you then have to if if you have to like log on yeah or you have to, often with those things you don't uh, you can say it so you don't have to yeah. but people always you see something on Facebook or uh, Google Doc or something and you go oh have I got to have an account to like see this thing and then you sort of switch off. Um, so I always prefer a press release in the body of an email because also if things start having attachments and stuff like that, then they might go to my junk and stuff like that. Um, or just a PDF attached is easiest, I think. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I think you might be one of the few who's doing the Google Doc method. <laughs> oh yeah, what, what I've done... Uh, and I haven't sent it into you yet, partly because the Edinburgh fiasco is happening, and that happens. Of course, to are, you caught, are you caught? Are you caught in that? So I haven't. Se- I've stopped sending it because what's the point? Yeah, it's going to such a shame. But the advantage of the way I've done it is, I made a Google Doc, I made it completely public, and it's now linked on my website and everything, so people can go and open it. But it's but I can change it at any time, even from my phone, because it's a Google Doc. Sure. So it means that I send you, for example, my Google Doc, and it's got a unique Bitly as well. So it's not like the stupidly convoluted you know url you get with google docs that you'd never remember mm-hmm. bitly.com whatever right uh that's not it by the way um <laughs> but yeah so it means that if you you know hopefully you'll remember the url as well because it's a really memorable url but also you know it's it's online so if you you know don't have it printed or you need to find it or whatever you can go to it and it'll be the most up-to-date thing because you know when i find out when my venue's changed i can just change it on my phone and it's there rather than you having a pdf uh, the only thing I'd say about that is I think you'd be surprised at how many journalists uh, are pretty old school and <laughs> yeah. uh, will get that press release and maybe print it out there and then oh, yeah, and then yeah. put it in a pile for later. 
and they won't realise that it's changed online. They'll be looking at still an old printed version. Bruce um, told me he does that, yeah, he prints. Uh, so there's that. And also, you know, it doesn't hurt to send someone... If you if you are in a new venue with a new time and stuff, it doesn't hurt to send that press release again, just going, this has all changed, by the way. Because <laughs> then at least that person has read an email saying, this has changed, the time and venue has changed, and I'm telling you this now, right. rather than just relying on you then looking at a, 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 a Google Doc that may or may not have been updated and they don't know when. Yeah, no, I mean, I would email it again. Sure. But the point is I wouldn't have to make a new document. I yes, would just have yeah, to edit yeah. it and then it would always be available kind of thing. Um, okay. And when you go and see something in Edinburgh, do you email ahead of time or do you just turn up? Uh, what for a free show you mean free or paid I mean I assume uh, it's different off for both but paid you've always got to email ahead of time because you've got to sort a ticket right. so you've got to go through the PR or the press or so, of the venue uh, free depends on the show uh, if it has got a PR or if the whoever's emailed me about the show has said that you know let me know if you're coming and I'll try and reserve you a seat or whatever I will try and let them know that I'm coming but sometimes you find yourself you've got a free hour and you look at what's on and you just turn up or you go to a show and you were planning to go to another show but the show before that has overrun so you can't make the other show so you decide to go see something else and so you just turn up so yes it depends really but most of the time I'll try and let people know Do you prefer to go and see fully finished shows or previews? Fully finished shows, definitely. Okay. I try to avoid previews in London because I know that if I then have to go and see it again in Edinburgh for any reason, I'm doing. Um, I've done the Foster's Awards panel a few times, and so I just get given a schedule by them of what to go see. Um, so if I do have to see a show a second time, it's always, you know, I'm always gonna. I'm not seeing it fresh for the first time, so prefer to see the finished thing. Makes sense, yeah. Um, and do, I'm interested, who do you see, or maybe who does time out? Um, these might be different answers, that's why I'm asking them kind mm-hmm. of half arsedly between the two. But who does time out see as their competitor, and who would you see as time out's competitor? Oh, I don't know. Uh, depends in what sphere, I guess. In, in uh, print, I guess it's any any uh, f- free magazine or f- uh, any arts magazine or events magazine and same online is any anybody that's doing the same thing I, don't, I, don't, I can't think of like a direct competitor though there's not there's certainly not one we're all you know trying to make clothes down no but I mean are there any any are there any listing sites or review sites that you go to and read and enjoy and maybe oh yeah definitely which I, ones are your I read Chortle a lot I really like Steve Bennett's reviews um, I think he's very fair and he's a good writer uh, Bruce DeSalle's stuff I enjoy reading uh, and I'll check all the all the nationals I wish I could read Alex Hardy's stuff more because I really like her stuff but that damn paywall <laughs> um uh, yeah, there's uh, Alice Jones from The Independent. And yeah, I'll check all the nationals. Check 
old Fleckers' site, Paul Fleckney, uh, when he's got something up there. Yeah, I enjoy reading it all. But I don't go, damn them. Oh, wish I wish I was, uh, wish I'd thought of that. Although that does happen sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happens to comedians. <laughs> Um, that's interesting. So, paywall-wise, are you anti-paywall, or do you just get annoyed? No, just I just, I just, I, I, you know, I don't think Time Out has an account, and I'm, I'm not going to pay for one personally. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not, not anti it or for it. Just, uh, I don't have a login. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I've often thought a paywall where you could just pay for the article. So if you could pay 10p to read that one article mm. rather than pay £5 for the month or whatever, would be much more efficient. Uh, maybe, yeah. I don't know. I haven't, haven't thought about it. I assume Time Out would never do a paywall then. Uh, I have no idea. I can I cannot speak for the uh, uh, my bosses, uh, but certainly, you know, there's no discussions of that as far as I'm aware. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we have really healthy traffic and that's what drives our site so I, I doubt we'd want to lose that How much do you cover new comedians versus comedians that you've already covered because you already know and have started working with them as it were um, Well w- there are a lot of different types of features and things that I do so uh I definitely wouldn't cover someone again with, you know, within quite a long period of time. You mean like an interview or like an article? Or? Uh, whatever, really. If someone's had a big feature, I'm not going to do another big feature on them for at least a year, if not more than that. Um, unless it's something really special where, you know, if they're doing... they They suddenly, you know become a household name within three months and we feel like it's time time to do another piece on them um, new acts tend to so the main main features we do are t- tend to be for people who are doing I don't know why I keep saying we as if I've got a massive team it's just me um, <laughs> uh, I do that a lot with this I go we have had people on and yeah. it's like it's just me yeah <laughs> you have to give the illusion uh, there's a there's a whole uh, team of people behind you. Uh, <laughs> I uh, wish there was. <laughs> I know. I'm, yeah. I would really like some help. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the main features that I tend to do tend to be for people who are reasonably established, um, especially since we have gone free because uh, readership is very broad and um, you you need people to stop and look at a page and read it. Um, but then we do uh, I do uh, cover new acts in different ways I have a separate uh, regular one to watch slot that's a new act that's generally someone who's probably I guess not a new open mic act but maybe has been going for a couple of years um, who's doing tens on the circuit I guess Uh, sometimes more and then there are other other little features as well um, but yeah there's no like definitive time scale for when we cover someone again but I, I tr- try not to overlap too much because there's always someone else doing something some, something else somewhere that week so 
Yeah, but there are certainly people we've covered a bunch of times since I've since I've been working here. Can you apply to be in a feature? Can you say I'm doing this? Would you be interested in covering it, or do you do you pick them out yourself? Uh, you can certainly uh, you can certainly email and ask. Um, uh, it's always good to know about stuff. The the but the best way to um, to be in the running, so to speak, is to just send it listings. If something's listed on the site, then I know that it's happening, and it, I will see it and stuff like that. But things like the wonderful one to watch slot are people I've seen who I've really liked. Um, they're not people emailing me going, "Can I?" be a one to watch yeah. Um, yeah they're people I've seen at gigs and enjoyed a lot where do you I mean would you go to open mics do you go to clubs where, where are you watching comedy when you go to watch comedy for fun uh, all, all over I go to open mic gigs I go to professional clubs I go to solo shows I go to arena shows sometimes if I have to um, you got any favourite venues uh Hmm. I really like Banana Cabaret's room. Oh yeah. I haven't been there in a long time, but that's it's a really nice space. Downstairs at the King's Head is a really good good venue. Uh the pro the, the well not the problem, but I I don't go to a lot of those weekend clubs a lot mainly because I've seen most of the acts they're booking a bunch of times and I try and go to see acts that I've either not seen or have not seen in a long time or I know are doing something different now and I want to see them what, what they're doing now uh, but then there are nights I really like that um, are just really fun fun gigs like the Laugh Out London gigs are always really good and in nice venues theme nights something like the Pun Run or something like that yeah Pun, pun Run's great uh, I other themed ones Lolitics is really fun yeah yeah Chris Coltrane's yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I like a themed night it's always nice to have something different than just um, than just a lineup show yeah um, but yeah the, I mean the comedy store is an amazing venue it's pretty amazing for stand up but I don't go there hugely because I've seen their acts tons of times that makes sense okay um, once something has been posted on the website how long does it stay live for it stays live until till the till the date of the event and then it um, where the URL still exists it just won't appear in um, search results on our site so if people search for it on the website it won't be there until another date uh, gets added to it so we normally have one listing for a club or whatever and that's always the URL for that night or club, and then more that will get updated with future lineups and dates. So the event listing will always exist after it's been put up. Yeah, it just won't have any won't have any dates attached to it. Okay. Um, so there's four little tabs on a listing, and one of them is dates and times. And as soon as it's gone past the date of the event, that tab will disappear and. That listing, you won't be able to find that listing through our website, but the, it will still exist. Because the thing is, more and more, or an increasingly large number of audience members are sticking with comedians they know, particularly in Edinburgh, so they'll kind of see like a household name rather than a new person. Sure. How are you finding that's affecting you as a listing site? I don't know, I'm not sure it's affecting us as a listing site. Um, 
I can tell you that there are certainly clubs that get a, a, a lot of people looking at them, listings-wise. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know how that's affecting us. Uh, we certainly don't... I, I list everything I'm sent as long as it's got all the right information and it's and it's before the deadline. I list everything, so... Um, and that includes big names doing solo tours or little clubs. So, yeah, I don't know how that's... A, I'm not sure it's affecting us in a certain way. Or, or do you have something in mind? Well, no, I'm just wondering... Well, I was, my follow-up question to that was going to be, do you know how much of your traffic is local or people coming into London to look around? Uh, I don't. I'm sure I could f- look it up. Uh, I just thought that'd be interesting just to know, like, if because time out's such a global thing rather than... Yeah. So I can imagine people looking it up who are coming here from abroad... And so I was wondering how many people would be planning stuff using your site and how many people would just be, well, we're out, let's see what's going on. Uh, it's, it's certainly mostly Londoners, um, but there is a lot, there's a lot of tourist um, traffic that comes in. And that when we were a paid-for magazine, that used to be quite a lot of the, the magazine sales as well would be tourists because they'd come to the city, find a new stand and buy the time out. Um, but I don't know the exact figures on that. That's cool. And do you track your... Um, do you, Right, so it's not going to be do you track your social media like click-throughs, but do you track how many people have gone to an event from your website? Um, no, I'm not sure how we would do that. Well, you could do like click... So if, you're sell, so if there's ticket sales, for example, you'd know... Yeah, we know if people are, people are buying tickets for, for things that we have buy ticket buttons on, but we only have buy ticket buttons on on events where they're selling tickets through affiliate partners yeah. of ours so we don't, I don't know it for, for everything and I don't know it exactly for those anyway because there's a whole separate team that deals with ticketing and um, revenue through that um, so I don't know the only time I know what effect we've had on um, a night is when a prom- promoter emails me and says oh thanks for the listing we had a bunch of people who said they came because they saw it in timeout or saw it on the website, which does happen, not often, because they don't. Even if they do, which I'm sure we have a huge amount of effect, um, but they, yeah, they aren't. They aren't emailing me every day, but they, some promoters do, and it's nice to hear that. Probably annoy if all of them did it though. To be fair, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you should have a dedicated email just for nice comments. Thanks at timeout.com. Um, <laughs> That's not real, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't email that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's nice when you do hear that. Because it's nice to know that, you know, people are reading it and are going to stuff off the back of what we've recommended. And you also do timeout deals? Uh, yes. Because there's a lot of talk on whether Groupons and, you know, like bulk purchasing for, for comedy or, or big reduction comedy has a negative impact on co- the, the value of comedy, but also the people who are going to it. So there was a lot of talk about junglers uh, trying to bulk sell um, stag and hen parties. Yep. What are your thoughts on things like that? Uh, I don't. I don't really know. Uh, we have, yeah, we have a timeout offers department, and again, that's a se- whole separate team to what I do. Um, and I don't know how they choose stuff, or, or you know, how they how they get those those deals. But I know they're quite selective, um, and they try to be on brand as much as possible. So, 
I don't know. I don't. I. I. Yeah. I can't. I can't say either way on that. I'm afraid. That's all right. I will eliminate all my other deal questions because <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to the wrong department. <laughs> well, it's just it's just interesting because I do a lot of free shows. I like I like doing free donation shows. I think I think it's I think free content is better for a number of reasons, which I won't get into right now. But as a result, I take that ethos to the life as well mm-hmm. because I think it's better and there's a lower stake to entry for people to come in if they want to try me out, as it were. But also, sure. If they can't afford to see me, I still like to perform, if that makes sense. So so I would rather do a show to 40 people who can't afford to pay me and enjoy my evening, especially while I'm at the stage where I have a job, than do a show to five people who could afford five pounds, because some of them would pay if they had the money, if that makes sense. Yeah, and there's also that kind of building an audience through that, isn't there? There's... Yeah, you people will come and see you for free, but maybe next time when you're doing a paid show, they might go, "Oh, I really enjoyed that last time. I will pay five pounds this time." So you know, it's a good way of of building an audience. Well, yeah, when I did the Brighton Fringe, I I basically said to them, you know, if you if you can't afford it, it's on me. Like it's not a problem. Just maybe sign up to my mailing list, and that really helped because then I took the pressure off people. Yeah, and a lot of the like I got about two hundred names on my mailing list over nine gigs, which is really good I think yeah um, so it's and, it, and it's sort of the ultimate form of I mean you, do you have a mailing list I don't actually know uh, for time out yeah yeah we have mm-hmm. lots of different ones um, for different bits yeah do you know which form of uh, like meet social media for you is the most effective in terms of no no I couldn't I don't know I, I have that time out comedy Twitter and that's that's all I have personally for comedy right um so I don't know about the rest of the rest of the um, site and social media. I'm afraid. Okay. I refer you to a different department again. <laughs> it's all right. I'll uh, I'll come back in and just interview round every yeah, department. Yeah, if, if you don't mind. <laughs> That'll probably work. Um, what kind of comedy do you actually enjoy? Oh, I enjoy <laughs> comedy. Uh, <laughs> uh, loads of different stuff. I. Um, I don't know, that's a... I love comedy in general. Do you have any favourite comedians? Yeah, of course. Uh, People like Stuart Lee, naturally, and Tim Key, and Bo Burnham, and Sarah Pascoe, Bridget Christie. Loads of people. I have lots of favourites. But I don't think there's, you know particular genre I really I love more than anything else or hate more than anything else I think with straight stand up or uh, just observational stuff it's quite difficult to stand out but when some because purely because there's so much of it but when someone does do it really really well they do stand out and you know shows (laughs) how brilliant it can be um but yeah, I love I love all all things. I think I, I'm, I, there isn't there are lots of people who don't don't like sketch comedy or don't like improv or whatever. But no, I've, as long as it's done well, I just like something different more than anything else. Something that I haven't quite seen before. That always helps. Cool. And um, do you have like a, a show that 
say you were going to recommend one show, it can be a DVD or it can be a show that doesn't exist anymore, but if you were recommending maybe one show or a DVD or a book or something from a comedian that you think comedians should definitely look up, what would that be? Um, I think certainly uh, Bo Burnham's Watch show from a couple of years ago was easily the best show I saw that year. And I saw it quite a few times, which showed how much I enjoyed it. Uh, and again, that's because it was different. He was doing something different and exploring what could be done as comedy. Uh, which, that isn't a great sentence at all, but I'll stick with it. Um, Stuart Lee's 90s comedian show uh, was, yeah, I think... I went to see that, I must have been 19 or 20 or something, and thinking it was the best piece of stand-up I'd ever seen at that point. And it still is one of the best pieces of stand-up I've ever seen, I think. Um, But that was just, yeah, pretty amazing. And is there anything else? Sure, there must be. Uh, Tim Key's Master Slot, I think. Oh, okay. The one with the bath. Yeah, I haven't seen that one still. Really, good. really good. And again, something where he had an idea that hadn't been done in comedy before, really, and did it really, really well. Um, but you cannot see that show now, I don't think. Has he stopped doing it? No, he's, yeah, he doesn't do it anymore. He's, uh, and I don't think it was ever recorded or anything. Of course, that would not give you the same experience. No, but it would, it would give you some way. Exactly. Um, what would you say are the most underused features on the Time Out website that comedy fanatics could use to find gigs easier and promoters could try and use to get their gig more coverage? That's Ooh. two separate questions, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Features? What do, you, what do you mean? Tools, features, stuff that you have on the website that maybe you think, I wonder why that doesn't get used enough. Or I don't know. I'm not sure. In terms of the the... Uh, the way you can access the website and the way you can navigate it, I'm not sure what... Ha- I, I can tell you what gets used a lot and what doesn't. So I'm not sure what's underused. Um, I think certainly our search function could be better and it is getting better. There is a lot of work going into it. Um, where we... we went onto a new platform a few months ago uh, I don't know, quite a little while ago now um, and that any every time we've done that there's been a lot of teething problems and that's happened again <laughs> um, but it's being worked on and um, but I, don't know, I don't know what people are not using um, and how could people flag up their stuff more um Pictures definitely having ones, yeah, yeah having photos on listings always helps, um, but because it's a listing for a club rather than a specific night at a club, we can't use pictures of a comic who's on that bill. We have to use a picture of the club. So if you've got a night or you've got a club, get some good pictures taken of of the club itself, of the venue, of someone on stage there or whatever and send them that we can then use for 
any night you ever have there and that always helps um, but because of silly iPads and retina displays and things like that we still have to have high res good quality images for the website as well which people often don't realise they think oh it's just for web I'll just give you something low res but we still need I believe it is 2048 by 1536 pixels and at least 300 dpi there you go that's just something I've emailed to a lot of people um, but yeah that always helps having pictures attached I will add that to my indie guide I think that's a very good tip like because I don't I mean, yeah, there's a, the Londoners, I think, had a similar thing to say, and uh, so did I spoke to someone from Three Weeks, and they said, yeah, just send a good... I, like, even just... Like, even on your phone, you could have, like, a 7, 8, 9 megapixel camera. Definitely, yeah. Take it, yeah, and yeah, yeah. email it. It doesn't have to be... You know, you don't have to hire a camera or anything, but... No, no, yeah. you can take you can take your, your, them on your phone. It's yeah. fine, as long as it's, as long as it's a, a, a good picture and sums up what the club is, in a way, or gives a sense of the atmosphere then it's good and people are always more likely to click on and read a listing for a club that's got a picture there than if it's just blank. Mm. And I'll end on this one then. What is your biggest pet peeve about comedy nights you go to? Oh, I don't know. Because the, the, the peeves I have are definitely not the ones that the audience has and so I always feel a bit bad because I really don't like it when a night has more than one interval. But that's purely because I'm not there for four beers. I'm there to see the comedy and then go home. So it's not a night out for me. It's it's it can be fun and it often is fun, but it's still work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's that. But you know, I'm not going to tell people not to do that because people are there for a, a fun time. Uh, start on time if you can. All right, well, thank you very much for coming. Oh, thanks for having me. Sorry my voice is being screwed. but no, uh, Hopefully I just sound uh, really kind of sort of like I'm a blues singer or something. I think what you've done is if anyone bumps into you now and they recognise you but they, they hear a different voice, they'll go, oh, that must be Ben's doppelganger. We'd, we don't have to disturb him or try and get him into our show. Hopefully, yeah, that would be ideal. And yeah. also, they won't pick on me at comedy shows. That would be good. Or do you not like being picked on? Uh, I don't enjoy it, but <laughs> if it's got to be part of the show, it's got to be part of the show. Um, I don't think many people enjoy it that much. Do well, no, that's, that's not true. There are plenty of people that love it. Do you heckle much? No, never. Well, then why would you get picked? Just because you're on the front row? Yeah, stuff like that. You know, there's... A, I've been in a million Edinburgh shows, not a million, but uh, <laughs> That's impressive. lots of Edinburgh shows where, you know, there's six people in the audience, and if they need someone to volunteer for something, you've got quite a high percentage, you know, chance of that being you. Also, I imagine you go to those on your own quite a lot, mm. so as a result, you stand out even more, because if there's a group of four, you don't want to lose the four, you would rather lose the one exactly. than the four. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't mind too much. It's just, uh, you just kind of go, oh. Not again. Yeah, so maybe top tip, leave them alone. Yeah, <laughs> just, just leave me alone, guys. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. That was Ben. Ben is really fun to talk to, and he made it very clear that he doesn't like interviews, and I just have to commend him for, for actually taking part, because I know that if, for example, if I didn't want to do an interview, and part of my reasoning for not doing that is because I want to stay behind the scenes, doing something like this could probably be quite nerve-wracking. 
and I just have to say thank you. If you're listening, Ben, thank you so much for taking part. It really meant a lot to me, and I'm sure it means a lot to the community. Um, if you would like to email Ben, you can find all of his e- links and things on the show notes, which are at simoncane.co.uk forward slash Podcast. You can just find him over an email and say thank you so much for taking part. I'm sure he would love to know that you've listened and that you appreciated what he did for us as a community it was really cool i really enjoyed it so and i hope you learned a lot from it as well if you did if you could share it with a friend or a promoter or someone who wants to be a promoter i'm sure they would get loads out of this and uh it and it's just a useful resource i think if you enjoyed this one i have another episode which is similar to this if you enjoyed this and you would like to hear another interview from another publication uh in episode four i got on the londonist who are a much more london central blog listing site but don't let that fool you they have a ridiculously big following they have a really dedicated hardcore base of fans and readers and have been around for ages and if you want to know more about how listing sites work how the arts industry events work how just the the other end of that email you send when you try and get listed works they are very worth looking up so yeah and i'm also hoping to get some more interviews like this on because these people are the people they're the gatekeepers to the larger wider audience to our events if you would like to donate you can do so on the website via paypal all you have to do is go to simoncane.co.uk forward slash ask the industry podcast if you would like to become a patron please do you can you can do it from one dollar an episode which is like atp so it will cost you two pound forty to keep this project going and uh, all the money goes into creating better and more unique and interesting podcasts it really helps me have a budget for the show and obviously you get perks as a patron like for example you get a guaranteed seat to all the live recordings and there are three of those happening in edinburgh so if you join the facebook group you'll have the most up-to-date information on when they're happening and who's appearing on them and all that stuff so join the ask the industry podcast facebook group and you get more information on those, including upcoming guests, and you'll also get to ask them questions. Just join the group, and I'll post whenever I get a new guest, and you can like write questions below, and I'll ask them for you. So, yeah, um, if you can't do any of that, or you just don't want to do any of that, if you could leave me an iTunes review, that'd be great. Um, a bunch of you have just given me a load of reviews, which is awesome, and I can't thank you enough, And uh, but it, because it really helps. It just Future guests are reading them, and they're like letting me know that they think it's great that we're getting like a community built around this and so they want to come on so if you really want to help out but you don't have a budget right now i totally get it it's fringe season we're all strapped for cash but if you can afford to donate please do if you can't just a review would be great if you can't do that just share just share the pod with someone new because i'd really like to expand the audience i bumped into a load of people up here who knew the work of the podcast and of the project I'd love to meet more of you. So if you would like to come down and see my show, uh, I am at Just The Tonic Caves. I'm on at 7.30 every night and I am free. So if you can come down, that would be great. If you can't come down, just come find me somewhere during the Fringe and say hi. Be great. So speak to you soon. Thank you for listening. Thanks for sharing. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.